Well, good morning, folks. And uh, welcome to Worship at Bulhelvy, and a special welcome if you're visiting with us today. It's great to have you along. Uh, we hope you feel very welcomed and you're perhaps able to stay with us afterwards for uh, a cup of tea and I think a soup lunch. Is that right today? We're having a soup lunch as well, so uh, more the merrier if you're able to stay for that after church uh, today. Uh, special welcome to the friends and the family of Ben and Lily East who are being baptised today. It's great to see you along. Uh, some have come as far from uh, from the, the deep wastes of Portsmouth to be with us today and I know that uh, some are going to be joining in uh, with the service online later as well and you're all very welcome uh, to join us in this happy time of worship today. Uh, just a few wee announcements before we begin. Firstly, thanks to the Social Committee for organising uh, a great concert yesterday with uh, Bruce Davis, which was a, a great success. I think Bruce enjoyed it nearly as much as we did after two years of having to play to blank screens uh, in the lockdown. Um, but the next thing uh, we're looking forward to from the Social Committee is the Christmas Fair, which is Saturday the 19th of uh, November, 10 to 12 in the Forsyth Hall. They are looking for uh, contributions for the raffle, so if you've got some bits and pieces you'd like to hand into that, there will be a box, I think, in the Forsyth Hall over the next couple of weeks. So please do leave stuff in for the raffle there. Uh, House Group meets this week at William and Linda Anderson's at 7.30. And then next Sunday uh, will be a remembrance service and we do meet a wee bit earlier on that Sunday. We meet at 10.50 so that we can observe the minute silence at 11 o'clock. So please do remember that if you're coming uh, next Sunday. But those are all our announcements. So let's worship God in the words of our opening hymn, hymn number 154, How Great Thou Art.
Please be seated. Let's come before God in prayer now. Let us pray. Whether we know it or rebel against it, whether we embrace it or reject it, whether we choose to go your way or our own way, we belong to you, living God, body, mind, and spirit. Our lives are not our own. We have them on trust to be used well and wisely. And one day we will stand before you, the sum of what we've become in this life, for good or for ill. So help us, Father, to offer to you all that we are in worship this morning. We thank you that you've given us a physical being, a body to look after. Help us to take care of it, not to abuse it or neglect it. Help us not to become enslaved to any of our appetites as though they were the things that defined us. Help us understand the connection between body and soul, that what we do with one radically affects the other. And keep us respectful of ourselves and of others, for each one of us is a profound mystery, worthy of respect, because we are made in your image. Lord, we thank you that you've given us minds. Help us to use them well, to work hard at the tasks that come our way in life. Bless those whose jobs demand a high level of thought and planning, whose brains are ticking over all day, and those who are able to relax a little more and have more time to read and recreate. Keep us from the lazy mind that will not learn and the closed mind which thinks it already knows all the answers. Help us to go into each day expecting to find something new to get us thinking. And Lord, we remember that you've given us spirits. Help us remember that there is a part of us which will always go on. There is a part which is of the same essence as you and with which you want to be. Help us remember that we're creatures of eternity as well as of time. And help us do what we need to do in this world to make our souls ready for the life into which we will one day enter. Lord of body, mind, and spirit, hear our prayers, because we offer them all in the name of our friend and our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, boys and girls, just as I'm channeling my inner Spielberg and getting the camera in the right place for what's to come, that'll do.
That's better. There we go. A wee question. How many days to Christmas? Everyone knows. Hands straight up. Have a guess. Very good guess. More. A wee bit more. How many days? A bit higher than 40. What's another guess? Mm, higher. Carol? 43? No. Keep going. Do you think you know? 49? Well done. Did you look it up this morning? That's what I did. Right. 49 days to Christmas. It's really not long. Really not long. It's quite exciting. I think Christmas, if you were to get into Union Square, you would think Christmas had already begun. But that's always been the case. I wonder what your best ever, your most favorite Christmas present has ever been. Have a wee think. What has been your best Christmas present that you really liked? Who'd like to volunteer to tell me? It doesn't have to just be the kids. It can be the grown-ups too. Come. Did nobody have a favorite Christmas present? Oh, come on. Carol. Your ukulele. I didn't even know you could play the ukulele. You will have to bring that in someday. You have talked yourself into a job. Way at the back, Andy, big voice. A guitar. Have you got a guitar? Can you play? We've got the formings of a worship band here. This is fantastic. Yes. I'm sorry. Emily, it took me a wee second. You love family. Interesting. You love, is that right? Being together with family, is that what you mean? That's a special thing for you. That's a brilliant thing to say. Thank you. Because, you know, the presents are great, but actually it's being together with the people that we love that make the difference. Yes, Ellie. A Barbie house. You've got a Barbie house for Christmas. Fantastic. And I'm sure you have, if you haven't already written your lists, you shortly will be. You will be leafing through what Bill Bailey, the Argos catalogue, which Bill Bailey calls the laminated book of dreams. <laughs> Trying to see what you're going to get for Christmas. Wonderful. Very good. I have, there's a little clue behind me as to what my favorite Christmas present was. If I get out of the way, you might be able to see it. I know it's quite hard if you're away at the back. What have we got here? Can you see? Can you see, Ben? What have we got here? Do you recognize who this is? It's Thomas the Tank Engine. That's right. My favorite Christmas present many years ago was a train set. And I had written to Santa asking for a train set. I came down on Christmas morning train set. I was gutted. But then my mum sent me upstairs. There's a wee, there was a wee room at the back of the house, a wee kind of room where we just kept oddments and stuff. And she said, go up and get me something from that room. And I went up. There was the train set all laid out in that room. And my dad had, uh, my dad had polio, so he had to wear a special caliper on his leg. And he found getting around a wee bit dif difficult. And I thought, how clever of Santa to know that my dad would probably stand on my new trains if we set it downstairs so Santa had put it upstairs where my dad wouldn't wreck the new Christmas toy. So there you go. So yeah, train set, very special thing for me. And every dad will tell you if you, know, if you have children who are into train sets or Skeletrics or Lego, whenever you buy them that gift for Christmas, you know secretly that you really want to play with it as well. Isn't that right? Yeah, all the dads are nodding. So yes, so I've set up a wee train set here. I thought it'd be quite fun to see Thomas going around. So here we go. So there he is. Making his way around. Here he comes, round the corner and up the hill. Here we go. <gasps> right. Oh, oh, hang on. Right, that's not going so well. What's wrong? Why didn't it work? Evan. Because we need a connector. 
You need to connect it all. What's missing here? A piece of track. Exactly. There's a special piece of track that was missing. So I'll put it in. Finish off. This is kind of like a bridge. We'll finish off this bridge like that. And we'll see if he can get round better this time. Okay. Yeah, so Thomas needed to finish off this bridge so that he'd be able to get the whole way around the track. Let's see, is he going to make it up the hill? And down the hill. Yay! Excellent. Well done. Well done, Thomas. And I tell you that, and I show you that, because I think in some ways, baptism, and we've got baptism today, we've got Lily and Ben are going to be baptized. Baptism is a little bit like a bridge. And I think that in baptism, God is building his bridge across to us, and he's saying, I'm here for you. I love you. I want to be involved in your life. You're special to me. So God's built his half of the bridge, and we need to build our half of the bridge back to say, yes, I love you too, and I want to be involved with you. I want to know you. I want to be your friend. And when we build a bridge, the circle is complete. And so what we're doing today, I would hope, um, for, for the children, but also for all of us who've been baptized, God has kind of built his bridge across. We need to build our bridges back over to join him and to say, yes, I want to be a part of this. This really matters to me. Uh, I want to live my life in friendship with you, God, because that's what it's all about. So think of baptism as a bridge. I find that a helpful thing uh, to think about. Now, Rachel and Terry, um, it's really good to have you guys uh, here today with your family and your friends as we baptize Lily and Ben. And we're so sorry that your mum, uh, Sandra, can't be here today. But if we look over to the camera just now, can I give it a wee wave? I'm going to say, hi, Sandra. No, let's try that again. Try, hi, Sandra. Hi, Sandra. That's it. Lovely. Lovely that you're able to join us. And now, Rachel, I don't think you know this, but you first came to my attention through the power of Facebook. She's looking quite worried now. <laughs> but among all the videos and the jokes and the endless advertisements on Facebook, every now and again, I would see a post that was actually saying something insightful and wise. And very often, they had your name at the top. And I remember thinking, I don't know who Rachel East is, but she sounds like she's got her head screwed on the right way. So it was a delight when uh, you reached out to ask about Sunday school and you and Terry and the kids started pitching up at our all-age services. And I've really enjoyed getting to know you all better when we met to talk about baptism and what it means. And I've really appreciated the open way that you engage with those conversations and just came to them as the people that you are with your own convictions and beliefs. And we talked, we had some great conversations together. It was the uh, great American philosopher, Forrest Gump, he once said, life is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you just never know what you're going to get, right? And what is true of chocolates is just as true of kids. <laughs> Lily, you are definitely the quieter of the two. But there's a lot going on in that head of yours. You like to listen and to work things out for yourself. And I think you're already showing a lot of emotional maturity for a girl of your age. You're kind, you're patient, and you're a good friend. And from what I hear, you are also a really good gymnast as well, although you're not the kind to boast about it. And Ben, well, this boy 
is a human dynamo. If we could hook him up to the national grid, all our power problems would be sorted. And when I went to visit, it was usually Ben who was sticking his head round the door wanting to get involved or tell me about his day or show me whatever toy he was playing with. Ben, you are full of fun and mischief and energy, and I think that the enthusiasm that you show for life is going to carry you a long, long way. And today, in this sacrament of baptism, we're remembering that you, just as you are, are known and loved by God and precious to Him. And everything that He did for the human race in the man that we call Jesus, He did for you. And it's our hope that in your own time and in your own way, you'll make your own response of love to the God who loves you more than you will ever know. So can I invite you now as a family to please come up and gather around the font? That's great. Oh, we're not quite ready there. We're not quite ready for that yet then. Right. So Lily and Ben, for you, Jesus left his father's side. For you, he lived a human life. For you, he died on Calvary's tree. And for you, he rose and conquered death. And all this he did for you long before you could do anything for him. So in his name, I welcome you into the worldwide family of the Christian church. Okay, Lily. Okay. Lily. Alexandra, East, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. May God be with you. There you go. Okay, Ben. Come on. Might need tippy toes for this, Ben. Benjamin, James, East, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The Lord be with you. Good boy. Well done. Okay. Right. <laughs> Would you like to just go down and keep standing? Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Terry and Rachel, in presenting your children for baptism this morning, I'm required to ask you the following questions. Do you want Lily and Ben to learn about Jesus Christ? to know his forgiveness, to share his love, and follow in his way. Do you believe in one God, the Father of us all, who came to live among us in Jesus Christ, the Son, and who's present with us now in the Holy Spirit? And do you promise to bring Lily and Ben to church as God enables you and with his help so they can hear the good news of the gospel and grow in the love of God and the service of other people? Now, Lily and Ben, Unlike most of the children I baptize, you are going to be able to remember your baptism, and you have a promise to make today as well. So do you promise to come to church so you can learn more about God and what it means to be a follower and a friend of Jesus? You do. Thank you. And you, the congregation of this church, the community of the baptized, I charge you today to remember your own baptism and to live into it, remembering that the call of God comes with both privileges and responsibilities within his family. 
So as the community of faith and the friends and family of these children, do you promise to welcome Lily and Ben and make your homes and this church a place of welcome and to show your love to them in a kindly and a Christian way? If you can make those promises, will you now please stand as you're able to? And we're now going to sing uh, an ancient hymn of the church dating back thousands of years. The Lord bless you and keep you as a prayer of blessing for Lily and Ben. now going to ask Ellie and Carol if they would come out. They've got a couple of wee uh, presents for Ben and Lily and as they're coming out I think we should give these young people a round of applause. <laughs> Let's take a moment to pray together. A prayer of blessing. Lily and Ben, may you be blessed with good friends and be good friends to your own selves. May you receive the kind touch of those who love you, the encouraging words that will make you flourish and the freedom to ask the questions that will help you grow. May your bodies grow strong, your hearts stable and your minds keen. And may you never place barriers between yourself and the light. And may your souls grow to love the ways of God in this world and the ways in which he wants you to be a part of his story for your own fulfillment and the betterment of all. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're now going to sing our baptismal hymn. It's number 633. Uh, with a slight change of tune, you'll know this tune, I'm sure. And as we sing this, the boys and girls who are going to Sunday school will make their way out now at the side door. Child of Blessing.
Our reading this morning is taken from John's Gospel, John chapter 13, and reading verses 1 to 11. And Jenny Nichol is going to read for us. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, A person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, Not everyone was clean. Thanks, Jenny. Let's take a moment to pray together now. Let's pray. Lord, these words are 2,000 years old, and yet they carry the seed of life within them. Because through your word, you become uh, real to our hearts as we attend, as we listen to what your spirit is saying. And your spirit still speaks today. So help us as we reflect on this message and what's contained within it, as we reflect on our lives. Help us to know you near and speaking to our hearts and minds today, wherever we're at. Because we ask it in Christ's name. It became uh, something of a ritual in our house when I was a child. Mum would fetch the red plastic basin, weathered almost to pink by years of long use. She would boil a kettle of water. And while she was waiting, she would go and get some soap or some bubble bath. And when the kettle was boiled, she'd pour the steaming water into the basin and she'd add just enough cold to make it bearable, though still hot. And she'd put her hands in and she'd swirl them around until a layer of suds began to form. She'd then carry the basin through into the lounge where my granny would be sitting. My granny lived with us. And she'd be sitting there, stockings off and bare feet ready for a good soak. She had bad feet, my granny. Corns, bunions, hard skin, you name it, she had it. 
I'm embarrassed to say, but I remember her feet almost as clearly as I remember her face. But once the water had done its job and the skin had loosened a little, my mum would set about her work with scissors and a sharp knife, paring away the layers of tough skin till she got down to the softer pink flesh. And I would sit and watch them as I played with a pumice stone that was exactly the same shape and size as a wee grey mouse. So far in life, I've never needed to get my feet done. And I don't think I've ever had them washed by somebody else, at least not in that kind of way. But what struck me and strikes me about what I've just described to you and what we heard in a reading from John this morning is the physical intimacy of that act. Bodies kneeling before bodies, holding, touching, washing, drying. Just imagine that for a moment. Having your feet washed by someone who cares for you. There's a strange kind of holiness implicit in that, a deep connection that mirrors something of the intimacy that God wants to have with his human family. And I think it's good to remember now and again that it's in the body, through the body, that we humans encounter and experience God through what we see, hear, taste, touch, and feel. Our bodies are a gift from God. But it has to be admitted that our relationship with our own bodies isn't always an easy one. A few years back, we ran a labyrinth walk here in the church with different stations to stop at and to reflect and to pray at. And one of the stations that people found hardest was the one where you were invited to spend some time looking into a mirror and reflecting on the fact that you are made in the image of God. And more than a few folk told me that they rushed past that one because they couldn't bear to look at themselves in the mirror for very long. There are so many voices in the world and in our heads telling us that our bodies aren't good enough. They're not the right shape or size, they're showing their age, they tell tales on us, how we've lived, what we've done, what's been done to us. And of course, they're mutable. They change, and they don't always change for the better. And yet our body is the only place we live. It's your soul's address. And if you're not at home in your own skin, where else are you going to live? In the face of a culture that simultaneously idolizes the body and fosters huge dissatisfaction within us about our bodies, the Bible speaks another word that we need to hear. It says that our physicality, our bodies, are good, even in their finitude and their limitations. 
In the beginning, Genesis tells us, God created. And from the Adamah, which is the Hebrew for dust, God made Adam. And from Adam, Eve. And he looked on all that he had created and he called it good. Bodies are good, says God. So much so that when he decided we needed to know him better, he wasn't embarrassed to put one on. Here's a sentence that you won't often hear in church, although you probably should. A deep Christian spirituality is profoundly sensual. Let me say that again. A deep Christian spirituality is profoundly sensual. Every spiritual practice you can think of begins with the body and the senses. We sit or we kneel or we prostrate ourselves or we close our eyes to pray. We open our mouths to sing and to pray and to tell our truths about God. We chew the bread, we drink the wine, we pour water on the heads of children and adults in baptism to symbolize the cleansing that Christ brings. Our feet walk the path that God sets before us. Our hands and our minds do the work that God calls us to. We take in the beauty of the world and the glory of the creator of the world through sight and sound and taste and smell and touch. And we reflect that beauty in our creativity through music and art and words and through the care and the enjoyment of nature. All of this mediated through our bodies. These are good, says God. And there are even some obscure hints in the scriptures that angels envy us. These strange, very strange stories in the depths of Genesis and indeed in other traditions of angels coming down to wed or maybe even to bed human beings envious of their flesh. So from the very beginning, Creation, matter, flesh has been understood as being good. And the Jewish tradition out of which Christianity grew understood that. It didn't really distinguish between physical and spiritual, but saw them both as different sides of the same coin. Both holy, both necessary, both good. But in the early years of Christianity, some Greek thinking began to get woven into the story in a way that threatened to undermine that truth. In the Gnostic cults that were around in the first century AD, the spiritual was privileged over the physical. In fact, the physical came to be thought of as evil, that some evil deity had created matter. Only spirit was pure in Gnosticism. Only spirit was of God. And the young Christian churches were in danger of taking that lie on board and turning the backs on the goodness of God's physical creation. And that's why the New Testament writers, especially John, attack that kind of thinking head on. Listen to how John begins his first letter. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our own eyes, which we've looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it testify to it and we proclaim to you the eternal life 
which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Not only did God come to us, says John, he came in the flesh. Later on in the same letter, he writes, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. Those who deny that God came in the flesh are simply wrong, he's saying. God cares about matter. He calls it good. He cares about our bodies. He calls them good. And in today's reading, on the last evening that Jesus spent with his disciples before his crucifixion, what does John tell us that Jesus did? He shared a meal with them. He knelt down and he washed their feet. Simple bodily practices that convey profound spiritual truth. He broke the bread, he poured the wine, he washed their feet, and he saw that it was good. Biblical spirituality tells us that if we can't learn to live well and reverently and thankfully and sometimes patiently in our bodies, we're not really ready for heaven because whatever our future looks like, it's embodied. I believe in the resurrection of the body says the Apostles' Creed, one of the founding statements of Christian orthodoxy. I believe in resurrection. Resurrection into the physical and the spiritual wholeness and holiness that we were always destined for in Christ. Bodies are good, says God. And not only that, they're here to stay. So don't be too quick to discount the ways in which your body through the everyday stuff can help to bring you closer to God. Hold a sleeping child. Smell a rose or a freshly baked loaf of bread. Notice the feeling of the sun on your face or the rain on your skin or listen to a piece of music that seemed to speak to your soul or cradle someone that you love when they most need it. Because all of these are doorways into the felt presence of God. And there are things about learning to live with your body's limitations in in illness or in old age that will teach you things about God and about yourself that you can't discover any other way. There are deep levels of gratitude to plumb when you fill your belly with good food, when you're really hungry, or you feel the endorphins kicking in in your muscles after you've had a hard physical workout of some kind. And there's a reverence for the other that's born in us when we get close enough to meaningfully touch them, when we wash their feet or take their hand or touch their shoulder, when we recognize them as a fellow wearer of skin. Our culture tells us in a thousand different ways that our bodies aren't good enough. Well, God says that for his purposes, they will do just fine. Don't believe the ancient Gnostic lie that says that God's too holy to bother with bodies in all their messiness and frailty. Because that's just not true. That's not who he is. 
It's certainly not who Christ is. A few years ago, I heard a, a lovely story about the 16th century mystic, St. Teresa of Avila. Uh, Teresa was a, a nun in orders, and apparently she was one day sitting in the privy, praying from her prayer book and eating a muffin at the same time. And in her heart, she felt the devil condemning her. What kind of a Christian are you praying to God while you're sitting in the toilet? Don't you know that God is holy? And straight away she said, well, here's how it is. The prayer's for God, the muffin's for me, and all the rest's for you. <laughs> and I like her style. God's not embarrassed by our bodies. He created them. And neither should we be. And he knows that our bodies are often his best way of getting through to us. So here's your homework. You weren't expecting homework today, but you're getting some. Try this week to be more aware of your body. Notice the grunting noises you started making when you bend down to pick something up or try to get off the sofa. Notice the niggles and pains. Notice the good sensations that bring you joy and happiness. Notice what you consume because what you consume, whether it's through mouth, eyes, or ears, or whatever, becomes a part of you. Pay attention to these things and talk to God about them. Talk about what you notice. Or maybe you could get into a wee routine when you're washing in the morning or eating a meal or climbing into bed at night. Will you take a moment to give thanks for the skin that you're in? Thanks that for most of the time you've been alive, your body has worked not too badly, that it's been your home all these years, that you've been through a lot and you've come this far together. And take a moment to thank God that he didn't consider it beneath himself to join the community of those who wear skin, living, dying, and rising among us in Christ drawing us into the fullness of his being, both now and in the age to come. Amen. We're going to sing together once more, and it's a hymn that I think touches on some of the themes that we've been thinking about. It's hymn number 115, Love is the Touch of Intangible Joy.
William Anderson is going to lead us now in our prayers for others. Let us pray. Dear loving Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with praise and thanksgiving. We praise you for being our creator and we thank you for your son who was willing to walk the way of the cross for us. We thank you that through his humanity we get a glimpse of you. And we thank you that through our very senses we can draw near to you. Help us to see you even through this fallen world. We praise you that we can look forward to seeing you face to face in perfection because of what Christ was willing to do for us. We praise and thank you for your perfect love. We pray that your hand will be upon those who are ill. Let them know your presence, and if it be your will, restore them to full health and strength. Give them peace in the knowledge that when they place themselves in your everlasting arms, no matter what the outcome, you will never leave them nor forsake them. We pray for those we know who have been bereaved, let them know your presence and your peace. We pray for all who are finding life difficult, whether because of infirmity or because of worries or distress caused by economic difficulties. We continue to pray for the people of Ukraine, Ethiopia, Chad, and the various places where people are enduring real hardship. Help us no matter what our circumstances, to know that you are good and help each one of us to put you first in our lives. Bless all that we do in your name in this place and be with Paul as he ministers to us here in Belhelvi. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, William. We close our worship in the words of hymn 147, uh, singing verses 1, 3, 4, 6, and 7, because it's a long hymn, so we're just going to do a few. 1, 3, 4, 6, and 7. All creatures of our God and King.
And now go in peace to love and to serve the Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Thank you.